Hello and welcome to Humans of Agape. We're Agape Europe, a community of people who make Jesus known so lives are changed and Europe is transformed. We want to bring spiritual hope and help to people from all walks of life. I am your host. My name is Jochen Geck. I work in the Berlin City Hub in Germany. And I'm curious to hear about what God is doing across Europe. So this is what this podcast is all about. I interview people who are on staff with Agape and ask them about what God is doing in their lives and ministries. In today's episode, we're traveling to Dublin, Ireland to speak with Sean O'Ronan. And you'll find out why people call him Agape's strongman. Here he is. Hi, Sean. Hey, Jochen. How are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. That's good. Sean, we're talking and you're in Dublin. Is that right? Yes, that is right. In a rainy Dublin right now. In a rainy Dublin. As usual. As usual? Um, at this at time, this of, time the of the year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, all this time of the year. <laughs> Do you have any strategy to deal with the rain? Doesn't it dampen your mood too much? And that's a good question. <laughs> um, it, it doesn't dampen my mood too much as long as I'm prepared. So okay. you've got a hat, a coat, and, you know, you just deal with being wet. Okay. Uh, warm showers is a good strategy after getting rained on. <laughs> okay. Well, they do say there's no bad weather, just wrong clothes. <laughs> that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. <laughs> yeah. I'd I agree. That's what they say in Norway or some, someplace like that. <laughs> Somewhere like that. That's funny. Yes. Yeah, well, if it's really, really cold, you need to be prepared. Yeah. But, yeah, so, exactly. Sean, tell me what it is you do in Dublin. Yes. So I work with the Agape uh, Campus Ministry in Dublin. So I work with university students. Um, so, yeah, I'm a part of a team of three. You got to hear from my boss, Chloe, I think a few weeks ago. Uh, I heard that podcast was pretty awesome. So, yeah, I work with university students on a few different campuses in Dublin. And then throughout the year, we'll head out to other cities in Ireland like Galway, Limerick and Cork. And the okay. two main campuses we're on is UCD, University College Dublin and Trinity College Dublin. Yeah. Okay. So that's what your team does. What's your part of the whole? Yes. So the part, I guess I... That's my part of the whole is I connect with the stu connect with students on a weekly basis. Um, so, yeah, very much we go out. We go out onto the campuses. We go out onto different campuses throughout the week. We connect with students through the likes of surveys, trying to figure out what students believe spiritually. We do Solarium, which is like a cool picture card game. Um, but also, yeah, other than that, we also connect with Christian students who we are, who we know on campus, and we try to help them. We try to disciple them, um, trying to figure out how we can support them in their walk. So, um, yeah, and then we also connect with other people on campus too, like other societies and how we can work with them. And there's a fantastic chaplaincy um, on UCD campus. And I, I, spend, I, I have spent quite a bit of time trying to connect with them and trying to figure out how we can work together. Yeah. Okay, any exciting projects coming up with them? Um, to be honest, I've been, we've been a bit busy this term so far. We've, we've been blessed with a great community of students. Um, so I actually haven't been as connected as I, as I would have hoped for. But um, yeah, so they, have, they do different kind of cool cafe meetings where they'll get students to come. They'll do a, a meal. They'll do some sort of conversation. They've had um, what they've called it in the past is like an interfaith gathering where they'll have loads of students from different 
um, different religions and we'll all talk about a discussion, a different topic. So I think today um, the topic is the one that's going to be happening later on today is desire and the different different people from different religions will be talking about what their faith has to say about desire. Um, in the past, there's been a really cool, um, uh, it was called Christianity Week, Christianity Week, and it was it was pretty much an opportunity to unite the different Christian societies on campus to serve the campus and to to share um, to share the gospel with students and to give coffee out and stuff like that. So they do some awesome stuff. Yeah, that sounds awesome. So in these uh, interfaith events. Um, the students that are connected to you, do they also participate? Do they share their point of view? Yeah, so in the past, we've had some students who've come along with us. Yeah, usually, I guess, whenever I go, I'll ask students if they want to come along. Sometimes that that's different. Sometimes students aren't available. Um, students are quite busy in, in UCD. The joys of student ministry, yeah. Exactly. Uh, you know yourself, they have a lot of things going on, and that's life. I was there too. I remember being a student and being consumed with different things to do. So, yeah, it, it depends. I've had students come along and they've shared what they think. And that's been awesome. I think there was one on prayer a year or two ago. And a student came along with me and was sharing his opinions on, you know, what Christianity believes about prayer and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's, it's a great opportunity for different I think having that chaplaincy is a great way of connecting the societies who have maybe different um, focuses on campus, helping them get together and just, yeah, come together. Uh, yeah. And be, be together in that way. Yeah. Cool. And I think that's really interesting to hear because, I mean, we're uh, speaking to a European audience here and this mm. kind of system of having societies and even connecting with other societies on campus isn't something that happens in right. every university system. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's an interesting glimpse into that world. Yeah, totally. I think it's it's it's, it's a really, it's it's an important thing where to connect with the societies, I guess, because especially for Agape in Ireland, um, we're not... We're, we're not a society on any campus. We're more of a, a student community, really. And we, I guess for us, it's important to get out and to see how can we connect with those who are societies and, yeah, try to help them in any way and, and trying to try to work together. It really is just trying to cooperate. And I know, for instance, that the, the big revive thing is happening this winter. Uh, I can't remember who it is, but I know it's not led by Agape. So I think that's a really cool kind of cooperation kind of Yeah, opportunity. <laughs> yeah, and for anybody listening who doesn't know about this, it's a big conference happening over New Year's in Karlsruhe, Germany, where students from all over Europe come together, and Agape is a part of it. It's mainly organized by IFES, yeah. and it's a really cool thing. A bunch of Agape people are going too, and you can still sign up. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> still sign up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that's also um, so important to connect with other groups and societies on campus because they're all there to serve a cause or serve a need exactly, that students yeah. have and to learn from them, but also um, to serve them. Totally. Yeah, you're so right. So right. Yeah. Now, you mentioned you do surveys, a very traditional agape tool, I would say. <laughs> but you, you said you want to find out about student spirituality. What is the spirituality of the students in dublin you said that they're pretty busy most of the time like most students probably what else is up in their lives and in their spiritual lives yeah so that's a that's a, it's a great question actually it's one that we ask ourselves all the time it's one that we're constantly trying to um 
trying to figure out where students are at. Uh, we, so we do we do surveys um, quite often. Every few years, we we do a big survey push where we try to actually go out and survey a certain amount of students so that we can gather data and to collate that and so that we can bring that to churches and be like, hey, this is what the majority of students are believing in Ireland at the moment or in your city. So, um, yeah, what, what I think from the surveys, the main kind of spiritual background, most common is that students have come from a Catholic kind of background in school and in families. Um, so they would have, yeah, come from Catholic backgrounds, but they wouldn't have necessarily, it would have been nominal. So very much like my own journey where I would have gone to school and learned about all everything and learned about religion and I would have gone to mass and church and stuff like that. And we would have practiced a bit at home, but it was more of a thing that you just did in your day to day life. And then as you grow older and you get into, you finish secondary school or that's kind of our, our time before we go into university. And then when we get into university, we kind of start trying to figure out life for ourselves. So I think the majority of students, as we go out to do surveys and as we talk with them, I find that most students are in that part of their life where they're trying to figure things out because they've come up their whole life being told everything. Um, and they've, they've all this information about, you know, being a good person and all that kind of stuff and what, what, what different teachings are. And now they're kind of trying to figure out what it means to, to find spirituality. I think there is a big push at the moment for students who are trying to, I feel like there's a push against like hardcore atheism in the sense of, you know, there's no God and there's no meaning. It's all just, you figure out your own meaning, nihilistic kind of thinking where um, you're on your own and that you have to figure it out yourself. I feel like there's a push against that at the moment in universities where students are really trying to figure out what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be me and what gives me meaning? So a lot of students, we were in, for an example, we were in, in Cork, and I was speaking to a student who comes from a very, who comes from a nominal Catholic background. So he grew up, he did all the stuff like I did, but he doesn't really call himself a Catholic anymore. He calls himself spiritual. And he basically said that he believes in karma and all that good stuff, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that, you know, whatever you put out into the universe, it'll come back to you. So I think that's not very common to hear from students, but it's one of the kind of examples of one of the most recent examples that I've heard. <laughs> I'm glad you bring up Cork because you live in Dublin and that's where probably most of your ministry happens. And yeah. do you see a difference between beliefs and spirituality between Dublin and cities that aren't the capital? Yeah, I think I think you do. I, I don't know if I can speak with full authority on that, um, but I, I definitely do. I do believe without a doubt that students are more open to talking about spirituality. And I feel like because Dublin, I think, has moved a bit further on from the its Catholic roots, I feel. I feel like other places like Cork and Limerick and Galway, um, students will be more kind of, they'll be, they might go to mass more often, if you know what I mean. So it might be more of a, a weekly reality for them, where their families might talk about it over dinner, for instance, or, um, I feel like, yeah, I think from my experience going out and speaking to students is that a lot of them, um, their faith in, yeah, in the religion they grew up in is, is what's the word I'm looking for? 
what comes to my mind is like it's closer to them. So it's more of a reality to them where in Dublin, I feel like most students, not not all students, but most students have kind of pushed, separated themselves from that. Um, and what I, I guess one thing that I've noticed is that I also think maybe it's not fully true, but I think students in Cork and the other cities can sometimes be more open to conversations. So uh, what's the word? Yeah, like it can be more, yeah, just open in a sense. Uh, mm -hmm. But that's not true all the time. You know, with surveys, you can come across anybody when you go out and talk to students. Yeah, that's the fascinating changing. thing about it. Exactly. But would you say, I'm wondering that that's kind of the effect the big city has on the students that they maybe start to i mean those who don't come from dublin are far away from their mm. families and those dinner conversations that you mentioned but that mm. that's also a broader thing that happens in the city um mm. a kind of separation or a rethinking mm. yeah like i think that's i think that's something that has that happens in the kind of the modern big cities uh capital cities even where yeah people are, tend to kind of drift away from the the traditional way of thinking about things and you know it's the modernized and um, progressive world where we're trying to progress as a as a society so i think yeah i would agree with that statement i'd love to do study into it sometime i'm sure there's a lot of study done into it um but yeah trying to figure out what is what what kind of difference is there um but yeah i definitely would would say that there is there is a different feeling uh, i was i, I that the thing that comes to my mind <clears throat> one thing that's apart from spiritually is funny going out on trinity college i feel like fashion is such a big thing and then like so the, as i was kind of saying this like the first thing they think about in the morning in my in my mind is like they think about what they're going to wear because they're like such a fashion driven like yeah in that sense that's what i feel I, I, when i look out i can see that it's just the fashion is incredible but then when i go to limerick you know the guys And girls just get up and put tracksuit bottoms on and a hoodie <laughs> on, and they, I feel like there is that there's such a different a different kind of there's a disconnect there of how people live their lives. I I don't have the the study or any of the, the research done to back that up, but I, I, it would be interesting to to yeah to see to look into that a bit more. It's interesting. Funny, I can totally relate to that living in Berlin, um, mm. where we always say you have to walk the like fashion wise walk the fine line, distinguishing between a homeless person and a, a hipster art student. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. As long But, as you're drinking flat whites, you'll be okay. Yeah, is that a big thing in in Berlin too? The flat it whites. is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Same in Dublin. Yeah, and uh, and and I do think that it's. Uh, It's a conversation to have and it's an important conversation to, to kind of compare notes on um, yeah. what's happening in our cities that might uh, very often be more similar to each other than right. uh, to the rest of the countries. Totally. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, very true. Interesting. Yeah. Now, you've kind of hinted at your personal journey a couple of times now and you got me oh. intrigued. Um, yes. And you told us a little bit about it, but can you tell us more about it? Yeah, totally. Um, that. It's been an incredible journey. I grew up in a very nominal Catholic family household, if you'd say, and family for me was kind of the center of life. Family was, yeah, the, that's what life was about, was family and, you know, in the future, um, meeting someone and having a family and having a job and supporting supporting your kids and, like, very much rolling over and doing what was done for me. Um, 
but what happened so i, I guess in, a, in an important way my spiritually um i i definitely believed that there was a higher power but i i had no kind of interest or it was never it never occurred to me that god could be personally interested in my life um, and if you know what i mean he never i never really it never really occurred to me that god could be close and intimate he was always kind of out there and as as for instance what i would have heard growing up as jesus died for the sins of the world and for me I, you know obviously we believe that but for me when, when i heard that as a young person it was like it's all about out there not really about what's going on in my life if you know what i mean that that might not very that might not be too clear but that's kind of something that i would have understood as a kid it's not really about me but about out there what's going on on in the world um, so when I was about, so as I said, everything was very family orientated, but when I was about 18, my family had a really hard time and my mom and dad were separated and that was, that was a really tough journey for us uh, for about two years. Um, you know, it was a really hard struggle for me as family was kind of like the pillar of life. It was, it fell apart and that was a real hard kind of experience for me as in a sense, my foundation was crumbling. And my feet were realizing that the the rock that I was standing on wasn't necessarily as um, sturdy and sustainable as I thought it was. And um, I loved the idea of love. Um, that was something that really appealed to me, and I was excited to 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 have that journey with someone in the future, and to you know to meet someone and and love someone and then have a family with that person. But what this kind of experience of me, this experience when I turned eighteen of my parents separating really kind of showed me that, you know, love is, well, at that time, it seemed to me that love was meaningless and love has no kind of root or foundation. It, if it's based on human subjective feeling, then, you know, it, you know, someone can turn around and say, I don't want to be in this anymore. And you can leave, you know, and that's something that can happen and it happens in our world today. Uh, so, yeah, that was really hard to kind of two years between 18 and 20. I spent a lot of time time trying to support my mum, and um, I was really blessed that at the end of all this, I I, I had I still have a great relationship with both my mum and my dad. So I was really blessed that even though it was such a hard time, um, I feel like I I still have two amazing parents, which is so important because I love my parents. They're fantastic people, and um, I'm so glad that they're in my life today. But it was a hard two years. What happened was um, my mum had a really good friend who noticed that she was struggling. And my mum's friend was a Christian. And she said, hey, um, Marguerite, my mum's name, she said, you should bring your kids out to this Christian camp that we do in the summer. And it was with a Christian organization called Scripture Union in Ireland. And they run a, a kind of a manor down in Wicklow, which is south of Dublin. And they call it a Voca Manor. And it's kind of like a non-denominational um, event where families come together and the kids go off to camps, go off to um, different classes and they learn about God and have conversations and read the Bible and pray. <clears throat> so mum said, okay, I'll bring the kids along to it. Um, but what she did, she told us, because we, my bro myself and I've got two younger brothers, Cahal and Dara, um, we had never really gone to anything like this before. We, you know, <laughs> we had never really looked at the Bible or anything like that. It was, that would have been really weird for us. So um, she, she told us that we we're going to go camping. We were going to go on a camping trip 
Um, so, so we said, yeah, we'd love to go camping with you, mum. We want to support you and, you know, do something as a family. But uh, yeah, she didn't tell us that it was a Christian camp. So she tricked us. When we got to the location, we, we quite quickly realized that it was a Christian camp. And my brothers and I were totally dismayed and horrified at what was going to happen. And um, because honestly, for me, when I stepped into that place, it felt like it was a cult because, you know, people were praying and reading the Bible and talking about Jesus. For me, that was so weird. Um, but at that, at, at that place, and I, I actually met a, a staff member of Agape, but I didn't know at that moment. I didn't realize he was an Agape staff member. I was put into a, a group of teenagers where it was kind of our group for the week. And this guy, his name was Matthew, Matthew Broderick. And he led my group. And um, I think you might know Matthew Roderick. I'm not sure if you remember I do. His I've name. met him. He's an amazing guy. He is. A, he's pretty awesome. So, yeah, he led the group and he led us in the story of the prodigal son. And I'm going to try to, I'm, I can spend forever on this. But so the prodigal son story blew my mind because for me, I was struggling with this question of love. How do I know love? Um, how can I trust it? What, what's good about it? Is it just a subjective feeling that you can that disappears? And the story the prodigal son showed me during that week was that there is a father in heaven. There is a God who loves us and he defines that love. And it's not a feeling that I get, but it's an actual, it's something about God. It is God. God is love in that sense. And he defines it. And in his love, he, he wants us to come home to him regardless of the, the sin and the damage and the, the ugliness of our lives. He just wants us to come to him and to know him, you know? So for me, that was like my first time ever really hearing a part of the gospel message. And I was 20 and that opened my eyes to this idea of looking into the Christian God. So after that camp, I started university and Matthew Broderick started discipling me. And he asked me to come along to an agape guys group. It was called Band of Brothers. And this Band of Brothers was, it was a fantastic name. It was such an awesome time. And basically what this Band of Brothers was, it was a group of guys, about 10, 12 guys. Um, and we'd read the Bible together. We pray together. We talk about other things and the struggles about being a young man in university. Um, so I went to this and my, my, my questioning had now moved to, okay, I believe there's a God who loves me, but how can I see that in my life? How can I really believe that and not just think of it as a nice idea? And at this Band of Brothers, I, it was the question of Jesus's death and resurrection. Is that something that I can believe in? Is it true? Um, did it actually happen? And for me, that was, someone asked me a question, um, another good friend of mine who, was, who discipled me, he said, do you believe Jesus is God or do you believe he's man? And I looked at him and I was like, what kind of question is that? I have no way of knowing. <laughs> like, that's such a weird question. Um, and during this kind of time in my life, um, when I was about 20, 21, something like that, um, it, it occurred to me that Jesus, Jesus' death and resurrection was true and that, you know, I needed to, to accept Jesus into my life. And I can't really point to a day where I decided to follow him, but I know that it was somewhere in my first year of university that I really decided that this is, I want to follow Jesus and I want him to change my life. And yeah, that's kind of, that was the start of my journey, you know, from nominal Catholic background to a believer in Jesus and the work that he did. And yeah, now kind of, yeah, that's, that's 
thanks for listening. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, it's thanks for sharing to... that with us. <laughs> I'm glad it was. I hope it was. Uh, I hope it made sense. <laughs> very, very coherent. Now, Sean, I've been told they call you Agape's strongman. Why is that? <laughs> That's funny. So basically, bef before I was a follower of Jesus, and a big part of my life was weightlifting, Olympic weightlifting. It's still a big part of my life, but as you start working full-time, your hobbies kind of start to not become as important anymore, which is unfortunate. But back when I was a student in secondary school or high school, and when I was about 16, I started a sport called Olympic weightlifting, which if you have any idea, it, it's there's two movements. The first one is called the snatch. The snatch where the bar, it's like barbells. So if you ever think of a deadlift or um, a squat, like one of those barbells. But what the snatch is, is you pick the bar up from the ground and you go straight over your head and you catch it in a squat position at the bottom of the floor. So that's the first movement. And then the second one is the clean and jerk. And what the clean and jerk looks like is you kind of pick it up from the floor and you bring it to your chest or your shoulders. And then there's a second movement where you push it over your head and that's called the jerk. And uh, basically they're very kind of fluid movements. They're not kind of rigid um, bodybuilding movements. They're very technically focused and um, very, very hard. It's They take a long time to, um, to master. I've been doing it for about nine years now and I'm still nowhere close to having them mastered. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> Um, but that's why I guess I might have that name. I'm not. <laughs> so there's the funny thing is, is that there's a few different sports. There's like weightlifting, there's powerlifting, there's bodybuilding, there's strongman, there's CrossFit. There's all these different sports, and they can <laughs> and all get punched the into one. Yes, that's my okay. sport, Olympic weightlifting. Yeah. So do you still compete? I competed in the Irish Nationals earlier this year. Since joining Agape and trying to figure out the balance and trying to find the routine has been very hard because a lot of my evenings can be taken up with student meetings and stuff of like course. that. Yeah. And to be honest, sometimes I just want to come home and relax because I'm so tired. So at the moment I'm trying to figure out and I'm getting there. I'm, I'm training there three times a week, which is great. So I'm trying to figure out how to get my routine back. Um, and hopefully I'll be able to compete next year around March or April. Huh. That's the plan. You're going to have to keep us posted. How much do you lift? Um, so when I was competing in the 85 kilo category, um, my best competition was in the, it was at a European under 23 competition in Eilat, which is in Israel. And it was a fantastic experience. One of the best competitions and of my life. <laughs> uh, and I basically, what I snatched, so, so the snatch, which is the first movement, I finished with 120 kilos. And then my clean and jerk was 150 kilos. Wow. Um, so to be honest, in a European championship, like that's not very good. But for me, it was really good. And because the Irish weightlifting standard isn't as high as other countries, um, it was great to just go out and represent Ireland and to, to have some sort of impact on the growth of weightlifting in Ireland was just so awesome. You know, it's, it's great. So yeah. that would, they were, they were my best kind of my best lifts when I was competing as a younger athlete, I guess. Yeah. That does sound fascinating. Now mm. it might be a stretch, but is there anything that you learned from weightlifting uh, that you can compare to your, your Christian walk? Totally. And the first thing that came to my mind 
which which I'm going to share is that I feel like with any kind of sport or any anything anything really any hobby anything that you love is for me when I was when I was competing in another European junior it was in Lithuania actually um, I had the worst competition of my life I actually I, I, I missed almost everything I barely got a total so I only made one snatch and one clean and jerk and that's out of three so you have three attempts in each it's not three attempts in the snatch three attempts clean and jerk and I only got one and I was so I was distraught I was just terrible I felt like I was the worst I was never going to get any better and for me what happened was weightlifting really became like the most important thing to me and I was like this is who I am so something in weightlifting um is like just from my identity really at a at a moment I was my identity really was I was Sean the weightlifter and you know I remember at that competition um just feeling so devastated and just defeated I remember go, I was a new Christian at the time I was a really I was a new believer and I remember going on to Google <laughs> my good friend and being like inspiration from god <laughs> i typed that in <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> um, yeah yeah and um what came up was proverbs 3 5 through 6 i think it was trust in the lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll make straight your paths and for me one of the biggest things i've learned from weightlifting that has impacted me in my christian walk i guess is finding out where where its places is in my life and trying to figure out how not to define myself or to identify myself as the weightlifter who is, you know, yeah, as that person, but seeing it as a, as an amazing part of my life that I get to be, that I get to do and I get to enjoy and that I get to perform to the best of my ability in, but that it's not who I am, if you know what I mean. Um, and, after that competition, I felt so much freedom in the sport to to love it, to to love the times when I succeeded and to love the times when I didn't because I felt that freedom to not see myself as always having to be the best weightlifter. For me, that really it was cool seeing how my life as a weightlifter, I guess, how it impacted me in my journey with Jesus. And it really helped me to find out how to how to bring everything about me into my identity as a child of God and how to connect all these dots. And um, because I know it's hard for people in sport and people in um, arts who are musicians, how to connect all these dots. How do I bring this part of me? How do I bring my love of weightlifting into my, my walk with Jesus? You know, it's hard. Yeah. And I mean, you're probably pretty uniquely placed in that world of uh, weightlifting. Does it ever like, uh, bring up conversations with other weightlifters i guess being an agape staff that's hard to avoid yeah totally man i think um there are there are many conversations i've got one fantastic friend and um, his name is sai and um he he's a big weightlifter actually he's quite popular he's got a great instagram account he's always putting a fantastic lift but um the cool thing is, is that we actually disagree with a lot of things but we also we the great thing is, is that we both love talking about it and we have this kind of um, common respect for each other's opinions. Um, and I love that because, you know, he'll ask me questions about life. I will honestly answer him. And then he will challenge me on some of those answers. And I love that because he helps me to, to grow. Because I feel like as Christians, sometimes we can say things that a Christian will understand, but a non-believer will be like, why, why do you do that? So, for instance, something that has really 
occurred to me as I've grown in my faith and spoken with non, my non-believing friends is that they can see this idea of sin in our lives, how we deal with sin. They, they can see it. Sometimes it comes across as like a guilt thing. They're like, oh, you're just guilty of your life. And and why are you so guilty about these things? And I've, it's, it's a really interesting question. And it, 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 it always um, it always helps me to figure out like it, it's always encouraging for me to try to figure out how I can how I can best share my faith with someone. Um, and that's so important. So I feel like um, what I've learned from engaging with my friend Sai is that he's really helped me to, to get past the Christianese and figure out how best to share my faith with people in, a, in an understandable way. So yeah, I, I, to answer your question, there's there have been many awesome times um, where we've heard a great question. I've heard a great great question. I've had a conversation about it, and I've got to ask great questions too. Um, there's always a struggle whenever you're kind of involved in communities where there will be things that you know you don't necessarily agree with or you don't like to talk about, um, or some yeah just certain things that you might not be, feel very comfortable around. So that's the, there is a challenge there of trying to figure out how can I enter into this place with, with love? Um, and also how can I be, be prepared to share truth in love when that time comes? So it, it is always what I found, what I think is what I try to do is I'm trying to develop those relationships where when I'm training in the gym with the guys, I'm there to train with them. And that's kind of the, the main focus we're training. But then if we're sitting down having a coffee or we're just driving to somewhere and that there's opportunities there to ask questions and to, yeah, to find out the deeper things about the guys and, and the girls that I train with. So, um, yeah, thanks for asking. That's a, I like that question. <laughs> it's one, it's a, it's a good question for us to keep in mind with our friends. If, you know, even in, in work, if we're not working and, you know, someone out there who isn't working with Agape, for instance, like you work with people who aren't believers and it's, it's awesome way to think, how can I, how can I connect with these people? How can I love them? But also how can I, how can I figure out ways to share truth with them and love in a sense? So it's, it's cool that I have that place in my life. Yeah. And that's so, so cool to hear about it. It's a fascinating world that I don't know much about. So it's cool <laughs> right. that you yeah. share about that. Yeah. Yeah. Sean, we're uh, getting to the end of this interview, but my last question is always, um, if you have something that you want to share with our listeners, something you want them to think about, to keep maybe uh, a resource to, to check out or book a movie, a verse <laughs> or a joke. A <laughs> joke. Uh, Jochen. I, don't know, I was trying to make a joke out of that, but it didn't work. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> <laughs> Almost. Next time. Next time. Darn, I feel so embarrassed. Um, <laughs> so I've been really trying to grow in my, my prayer life at the moment. It's been something that it's kind of like the most, it's kind of like the biggest thing for me right now is trying to figure out and what it looks like to have that kind of routine prayer life. And, you know, it's what I feel like for me working with Agape and being involved in full-time ministry and out there working with students and all the stuff that comes with that. So there's a lot of admin that we have to do too every every week and a lot of team connections where we have to work together as a team and support each other. What sometimes I can come across, what I can feel like is I'm doing all this work for God and I'm doing all this stuff for Him. So like, at the end of the day, I'm like, oh, that's it. I can switch off now and like not connect with God or like I've done enough. Um, and I, it's something that I've been aware of recently in my life is how much I feel like 
I'm just doing these things for God and not really wanting to spend the time with him. So something that I hope might be an encouragement to some people out there is like, for me, I've been really trying to figure out how to just be in God's presence and what that looks like. I heard a fantastic quote from Martin Luther, which I don't know is if it's fully true or where it comes from, but it was something along the lines of, I have so much work to do today that I have to spend three hours in prayer with God. <laughs> and it made me laugh because sometimes I feel like I don't even have, you know, 10 minutes to spend in prayer with God. And um, so, yeah, something that I, I, I've been really trying to figure out is how to how to really spend that time with God and just enjoy being in his presence. Because as I look at Jesus, it was such an important part of his ministry that he would go somewhere and be alone with the Father. Um, I love that message. It's such it's such a, a heartwarming um, thing for me to remember is that even Jesus, the God man, had to go and spend time with his father and, you know, hours with his father. And he needed to sit down and ask the father to reveal his will to him. And where are you sending me? How should I pray? Who to? Who do I focus on? What do I do? And, and how do I deal with this, this pain that I have to confront and um, as he looked at the crucifixion, for instance, it's there's so much there that I, I, I'm blessed that we have a God who Jesus, who, who spent and modeled that idea of how to just spend time with the father. And um, so for me, uh, something that I'd, I'm really excited about at the moment, and I'd hope other people in Agape are getting excited about, too, because I feel like for us in our ministry and um, all that we do is if, you know, we need to pray for the Lord to be to move it you know we can't do it on our own and um, and it's exciting to see and um, what's going to happen in agape over the next while and yeah I, i'm i'm excited to enter into that with prayer first and to just to see where the father is going and what he's doing well i feel like you said so many interesting things and i want to thank you for that thank you for making the time yeah without and a doubt. god bless you god bless you too brother goodbye goodbye man That was Sean O'Ronan. He lives in Dublin and works in the student ministry. He mentioned the Revive Conference. It's an international conference for students and young adults that's happening over New Year's in Karlsruhe, Germany. You can still sign up at reviveeurope.org, and you should. If you like this podcast, why don't you take a minute and send a message to your friends to recommend it to them? And it would also be really helpful if you could share our Instagram stories. Talking about this, you can find Agape Europe on Instagram, but also on Facebook, Twitter, or at our website, agapeeurope.org. I'm Jochen Geck, and this is Humans of Agape. See you next time. <laughs>